0: Welcome to episode 11 of the 20 Bell Salute, a 20-year look back on pop culture and wrestling. This month is July 2000. I am Mr. Fretz from the Game Changer podcast, right here on Wrestle Attic Radio. This podcast is available on our Patreon feed, and later, my personal page at anchor.fm slash Fretzelmania. And oh my gosh... This month is loaded. You're going to get into movies like X-Men, scary movie, music like Everclear, e Eve 6, Finger 11, and a few minorly notable video games before getting into both one of the worst pay-per-views of 2000 and one of the absolute best. So stay tuned for an absolutely loaded show. Starting off right away with an absolute banger in the movies. We have the first movie adaptation of quite possibly my favorite comic book characters ever, that being X-Men. Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, Sir Ian McKellen as Magneto, Halle Berry as Storm, Famke Janssen as Jean Grey, I'm sorry if I butchered that, James Marsden as Cyclops, Rebecca Romaine Stamos as Mystique, Tyler Maine as Sabretooth, Anna Paquin as Rogue. Additionally, we have, you know, Sean Ashmore Playing a minor minor role as Bobby Drake, aka Iceman. Uh, Stan Lee makes one of his many cameo appearances. Uh, George Buza, you know, the voice of the X Men animated series, you know, previously on X Men. I'm sorry for all the uh, motorists driving by. I live right near a highway ish here, so you're gonna hear that. Uh, Samilla Ray as Kitty Pride, Katrina Florence as Jubilee. Donald McKellen as a young Colossus. Uh, Kevin Feige even uh, makes a cameo as a Weapon X tech, but his scenes unfortunately did not make uh, the cut of the film. Uh, Having an X-Men movie, development for an X-Men film, actually began as far back as the year I was born, 1984, with Orion Pictures with james cameron and Catherine bigelow being discussed to develop the movie at some point oh my gosh james cameron x-men movie i cannot even imagine so the film rights were bought by 20th century fox in 1994 with various scripts and film treatments being commissioned by people like john logan joss whedon to name a few uh, brian singer was signed on to direct the movie in 1996. Uh, And there, and from then on, we were, (laughs) we were rolling. Uh, So we had a plot here starting off. uh, In uh, 1944, a young Magneto in Nazi occupied Poland was separated from his parents upon an entrance to an Auschwitz concentration camp. Uh, While he attempts to reach them, he causes a set of metal gates to bend towards him. Ooh, okay, so this is the result of his mutant ability to create magnetic fields and control metal manifesting. Uh, I should stay on Magneto's good side because he could probably break me in half. Uh, as you all know, I do have metal rods fused to my spine. So, yeah. So we have uh, a young rogue accidentally puts her boyfriend into a coma after she kisses him. Uh absorbing her powers so there we go from there and we see in alberta in calgary not quite calgary alberta canada if i could be serious for a minute not quite that but uh alberta she meets logan you know you know logan wolverine he has superhuman healing abilities and adamantium claws that protrude from his knuckles uh, they are attacked by Sabretooth, who was one of Magneto's minions. Uh, but then, you know, uh, Cyclops and Storm arrive to intervene and save them, bringing them to uh, Xavier's school for gifted children in Westchester County, New York. And then we just see, you know, a bunch of Magneto's uh, peeps like Toad and Mystique uh, are brought to a, to a hideout in the uncharted island of Genosha, you know, which is oh, it's a fictional country. I'm actually just learning that. Uh, I'm stupid. So we have here just the the adventures of the of the X Men. You know the the X Men animated series from the 1990s, standing out as still to this day some of my favorite childhood TV shows. Uh, when I was a kid, I was always up early. At, I was always up at like 7:30, 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning to catch the. The Fox Kids lineup or the Kids TV lineup on Global, which was actually exactly the same thing, aside from a couple of shows. And my brother would be—he'd be the type to sleep in, but he said, "Please wake me up for X Men." You know, X Men was on at ten thirty in the morning, so I gave him a half-hour courtesy knock, like, "Hey, it's ten o'clock," like, "Hey, ten o'clock, X Men's on in half an hour." He'd be up and at him he'd either be watching in his room or he'd come join me in the living room and we'd be watching X-Men. And then if he was upstairs, I'd be like, Hey, did you see cable? Did you see Bishop? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, We'd mark out over X-Men. Him him and I went and saw, I think at least two of these movies in the theaters together. And it was just something that we, that we bonded over and something we actually still talk about to this day is, is the X-Men movies. And, how fantastic they were. Uh, throughout the movie, you know, uh, Wolverine and Xavier recover from some kind of coma uh, and they get into a battle with, like, Mystique and Magneto. Uh, Mystique had been impersonating Senator Kelly throughout most of this film. Uh, and then, you know, Magneto is imprisoned in a complex constructed of plastic. And is visited by Xavier. Magneto warns him he intends to escape one day and continue the fight. Of course, this would set up uh, the next movie a couple of years later. Uh, X, I think it was called X two X two United X Men two United or something like that. Uh, this film led to a series of sequels, prequels, and spin-offs. You know, most recently uh, Dark Phoenix. I still haven't seen Dark Phoenix. We did see that very saga play out in X-Men 3, which uh, to some is like the worst. What is it with the third movies in some franchises being the worst, like Spider-Man 3, X-Men 3? uh, Let's see, I haven't seen Star Wars Episode 3. Come to think of it, I haven't seen the entirety of Jedi, so I can't speak to that quote-unquote third. I haven't seen the new Star Wars, just not my cup of tea. But, you know, so we have the first X-Men. And Wolverine, all-time favorite comic book character by an absolute landslide. And no, it's not just because he is Canadian. It is, yes, it's because he's Canadian. (laughs) I'm a hypocrite. But he is, he's badass. He has the healing abilities, kind of like the same ones that Deadpool has. Uh, But... Yeah, he's just an absolute, you know, a cigar-smoking, beer-drinking. He's like if Stone Cold Steve Austin had a Wolverine mane and if Steve Austin had claws. I'm fixing to open up a can of whoop-ass, smoke this cigar, and and take you to Xavier's School of Gifted Youngsters so that bald son of a bitch can set you straight. What? <laughs> uh Oh, there goes my chip bag. Uh, that's all That's all making it. So yeah, X-Men. Now to go on to a movie that, well, it wasn't that good, but it gave us uh, one of the most notable one-hit wonders of the 2000s. And a song that was used in a storyline at uh, Joey Janela's Lost in New York with uh, Nate Webb and Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. That, of course, is the movie Loser, and it gave us this song. And that, of course, is Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus. As you can hear a little bit of it in the background, uh, this was one of the biggest one-hit wonders of 2000. It's ironic that it came from one of the least notable films of the year. But uh, you know what... I, This song was my jam. And when Nate Webb broke it out at Joey was Lost in New York and then I get like a video sent to me by Dusty Dave and Ant with them doing the same thing at this event. Oh, and friggin' uh, Brendan B. Brown DDT's MJF on a steel chair. That was awesome. But unfortunately, I'm not going to be talking about Joey Tonella's loss in New York today. This, of course, is from the movie Loser, a uh, teen romantic comedy starring Jason Biggs, Mina Savari, and Greg Kinnear, of all people. Uh, I haven't seen it in a very long time. I don't even know if I sat through the whole thing because I said, holy crap, this has Jason Biggs and that girl from American Beauty and American Pie. I'm in. So you had... Uh, Jason Biggs plays a guy named Paul Tenek, a small-town intelligent kid from the Midwest. He goes to New York University on a scholarship, trying to follow the advice of his father, this time played by Dan Aykroyd, because I guess they couldn't get uh, Eugene Levy, so they probably had to get another uh, Canadian icon to play. What is with Jason Biggs having Canadian icons as dads? They had Eugene Levy and Dan Aykroyd, two of the greatest comedians to come out of this country. So, you know, he's just this quiet, awkward kid who, uh... just, he wants to be noticed in his new environment. So he has, uh... a couple of friends. They're rich, spoiled, obnoxious, you know, rich boys. Uh who consider his polite behavior, his working class background, and his determination for education to be lame and brand him a loser. So trying to make something of yourself makes him him a loser? So, of course, uh, Paul meets Mina Savari, Dora Diamond, and develops an attraction to her. And, well, I just have to let this play out for a second. I- I'm sorry. I, I friggin' love this song, especially this part. In the music video, like, Mina Savari comes up to Jason Biggs with the Iron Maiden tickets. Uh, listen to Iron, yeah. I get a girl that listens to Iron Maiden with me. Ring. Instantly. Married. Engaged. Boom. Done. There it is. You like wrestling? You like Iron Maiden? You like Legend of Zelda? Okay, you're in. You're a frat. <laughs> oh, I'm alone. <laughs> so we have Dora has a affair with the highly pretentious English professor Edward Elcott, played by Greg Kinnear. Yeah, not quite like this uh, jock kind of guy that is depicted in the music video for for this. And uh, they go to an Everclear concert. Huh, that's ironic. Everclear is going to appear later, later on in this list. And there's not a lot of other notable people in this movie. Like David Spade plays a video store clerk. Andy Dick, because of course Andy Dick has to be in everything. He plays an office clerk. Alan Cumming even uh, appears in this movie. And yeah, that's about it. This was, a neg- this was an absolute negative, negative movie. Of course, the guy gets the girl in the end. That's every 2000s romantic comedy. I mean, this is coming off the success of American Pie, thinking, holy crap, this is going to be good. We have Jim, and I forget what Mina Savari's character's name is in American Pie because I haven't seen it in a long, long time. I watched American Reunion like when it came out, what, eight, nine years ago? Yeah, I still can't remember. Oh, and and by the way, I, I'm sorry, Allison Hannigan and Jason Biggs. No, it's all about Marshall and Lily. And you, and if you know what that is, well, you know, <laughs> because that kid's is how I met your mother. Yeah, this sucked. I mean, I thought this was gonna be a funny movie because it had American Pie guys in it, but it was a romantic comedy, It's a chick flick for lack of a better term. I don't like those types. It's notable for teenage dirtbag, you know. If you're from Canada and you got the CD Big Shiny Tunes every year for Christmas, uh, slack. This is probably applying to you as well. You had this. I mean, I had the first ten Big Shiny Tunes CDs. Uh, they were, you know, just compilations of the biggest songs of the year, including a couple of uh, Canadian showcases. These these were bought to you by Much Music, you know, Canada's MTV. Uh, the far superior version of MTV. I'm. Um, <clears throat> anyways, next to the movies here we had something that was quite notable that started a uh, long running franchise, which I do believe is still going today, and that is Scary Movie, the first one. This was a parody slasher film directed by Keenan Ivory Rains, Wayans, written by Sean and Marlon Wayans, uh, starring Anna Faris. John Abraham's Carmen Electra, Shannon Elizabeth, Kurt Fuller, Regina Hall, Lachlan Monroe, Sherry O'Terry, Dave Sheridan, the Wayne, and the Wayans brothers, to to name a few. So Anna Ferris is Cindy Campbell, and you know Marlon Wayans, Dave Sheridan, all these people. This is uh, parody, parodying <clears throat> parodying. Mm, let's see if I can say that right. Three cuts and it's in every slasher film from recent history including uh heavily based movies such as scream and i know what you did last summer because well the hooded guy from *Scream* makes an appearance in this but then he ends up kind of being a bit of a loser or a bit of a bumble and he even does the uh the was up commercial he does like a was up commercial and like he 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 he's stoned he's calling the wayne's brothers like what Up"? yeah because those were just out and of course you'd see uh things like the matrix uh american pie amistad shakespeare in love uh kazam buffy the vampire slayer a brief reference to dawson's creek which <laughs> had the best one of the best uh intentional cameos ever were uh i, bu- I believe it was uh anna Ferris and john abrahams were making out and then you heard uh i don't want to wait for my life to be over you know the theme song to dawson's creek and freaking james vanderbeek comes up to the window of the ladder <laughs> oops wrong window <laughs> uh we had candid camera and of course the aforementioned was up campaign by uh budweiser And the tagline for this movie's poster was no shame, no mercy, no sequel. Despite the fact Scary Movie 2 came out a year later and the tagline said we lied. (laughs) So we have a list of the films that were parodied here. So we had I Know What We Did Last Summer, Scream, Scream 2, The Sixth Sense, you know, the I See Dead People, Uh, The Blair Witch Project, uh, I'm So Scared. When people don't label their personal food. To get that reference, I love you. Uh, The Shining with, you know, the red rum. The Matrix with uh, climax references and several fight scenes. And the usual suspects, which, you know, parodies the actual twist ending of this movie. And uh, I'm just trying to look through the rest of this cast here. I I thought David Arquette was in this, but no. He was in the actual movies that they parodied, uh, which is just just funny you know i i remember watching this when i was a teen i knew some of the movies that they were spoofing and i liked it i liked this movie a lot i mean i think i've only seen up to scary movie three there's what five or six by now uh yeah by, by the time they did things like disaster movie and uh was it not another teen oh my gosh not another teen movies coming out this year yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's uh, that. That one's actually kind of funny. But, <laughs> anyways, yeah. Th- this was very memorable for the time for being a teenager at this point in time, and you know Anna Faris is gorgeous. You know, I had a bit of a crush on her when I when when I was a teen. She's yeah. She's still gorgeous today. So um, I'll, I'll power to her. There. There is a, a cop named like a cop named Doofy. Uh, Mentally challenged, kind of okay. That that that's something I can just not, you know, I, I can't ignore it. I just don't want to watch it for that. Well, it's because I've spent the better part of a decade on and off working with with special needs, so seeing depictions of that now are just outright offensive. They're they're terrible. Despite that, this movie was funny. Maybe I'll revisit the parts without that, but Hey, you know what? They were of its time for a lack of better term. So going on here to the, the next movie I have, I have here is the nutty professor to the clumps, uh, which is a sci-fi comedy bit of romance in there. The sequel to the nutty professor with Eddie Murphy, Janet Jackson, Larry Miller, uh richard grant we who else did we have here we had wanda sykes was in this movie nikki cox and this was a a bit of a success but it received mixed reviews being kind of obnoxious lowbrow bloated and unfunny Uh, the first nutty professor was a lot better i mean this had uh sherman Klump, you know the, the the professor created this new fountain of youth formula which enables people to de-age and then yeah there's just a whole whack of shenanigans here like there's a guy with uh who's sexually frustrated because he's impotent he gets some of this formula and you know seduces somebody and yeah this didn't have the same magic I mean the Nutty Professor is an old franchise I mean that disney movie for it came out in like the 60s and eddie murphy did a great job with the first one this one just just didn't have it uh yeah that's all i gotta say about that i think is there a third one or did they stop after this i i kind of hope they did uh a lot of people think it's scatological but i think poop humor is funny that's just me but, you know, um, yeah, the Roger Ebert kind of slayed this movie. He said, prepare to laugh a lot less. Oh, no. mm-hmm. okay. And speaking of a movie that was of its time, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, directed by Ang Lee. This was a uh, kind of like a, ch- a Chinese martial arts kind of movie uh i think there were some parts from that that were spoofed in scary movie 2 yeah you had all these matrix like martial arts sequences this the cinematography made this film look awesome the trailer made this movie look really really good but it was two of the most boring hours i have ever sat through in my entire life you know, my, my friend uh, Wakely and I, shout out to Wakely, I talked about you last month, you're going to get it again. Uh, <laughs> we would often spend weekends uh, at one of our one of our houses um, renting movies and playing Nintendo 64. Uh, we, we had a general store in Cannington that uh, had a gumball machine. You put a quarter in, you get a gumball. But If you got a black gumball, you get a free movie rental. Uh, I, I will never forget, there was one time that Wakeley and I were at, the, were at Tom's, the general store. Uh, we just called it Tom's because that's the name of the guy that ran it. Small town stuff, right? So, um, I got two in a row. And I told him, like, hey man, want to go pick out some games and stuff? So I got number third one. Okay, it's regular. And then the guy after me, like, I think it was like my buddy Adam, clunk. Oh, there was another black one. So there was like three consec, almost three consecutive free rentals in a row so you got to mix the batch a little bit better <laughs> so i remember we we rented crouching tiger one of these times we did because we got a lot of free rentals from there just because of that we would go with like a pocket full of quarters and there we go and we rented crouching tiger and i, I don't know if, if he enjoyed it but i'm just like just get to the it's like it's like millhouse with the poochie cartoon when are they gonna get to the fireworks factory and i'm just like gonna get to the fighting scenes and yeah um no no maybe with uh, a mind of today i could go back and visit this but this had you know chow yon fat michelle yo uh, and uh, several actors that I I don't know. I, I know Chow Yun-Fat. I know that much. But the the name, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, is in, is a literal translation of a Chinese in, idiom which describes a place or situation that is full of unnoticed masters. Okay, there we go. And uh, this movie, actually, I, I will admire it for its gender roles. Uh, martial arts chivalry wuxia is uh you know it's kung fu things like mulan that gave that gave a woman the forefront of the movie and this is what this movie did it it gave this this young actress whose name i'm not gonna even begin to pronounce uh hey she wanted to be free from the gender role that was imposed upon her you know because well you know, cultures you know in other parts of the world treated women as second-class citizens. Unfortunately, you know, a male-dominated patriarchy. Which no, I mean, come on, guys, quality, right? So this this gave uh this gave a uh, the woman the forefront here as as the heroine of the movie, which for that time was absolutely admirable. I mean, I'll, I'll give it that. It was very successful. It gave. It won, like, Golden Globes for Best Foreign Film, but, man, it, I, I I couldn't. I'll, I'll try it. Maybe I'll try, if I'm bored one day, to go back to it. But no. No, 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 no. Another movie we had here, I, I didn't bring up the wiki for it, was What Lies Beneath. It It is what it sounds like. Uh, in music, ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, we have some bangers. We have Switch Engage's self-titled, I think, debut. Oh my, kill switch. Shout out to Christian Markle there, the the sins guy. Some forty ones, half hour of power, which included uh, "Makes No Difference" and um, uh, "Rockets." We're all about, you know. That was a song that was remixed for, I believe, the Spider-Man soundtrack. It was Spider-Man one or two? I, I think it was number one, and it had a music video along with. Uh, A Hero by Chad Kroger and Josie Scott, uh, which I absolutely love, by the way. Hey, I like Nickelback. I'm going to admit it on air right here and risk my reputation. Nickelback is a Canadian treasure. So was Sum 41. I mean, back when uh, Derek, the lead singer of Sum 41, was dating Agra Levine, we were rooting for them. You know, And ironically, in the same sentence, as I mentioned Nickelback, she was dating Chad Kroger, too. We're like, hey, yeah, that's cool. Okay. A lot of people joked about it, but I'm like, hey, whatever, dude. I'm proud of my Canadian, in <laughs> in pop culture. Uh, what I'm not proud of is Motley Crue new tattoo. Yarg. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Feelgood. This is not uh, Everclear songs from an American movie, which included uh, Everything Is Wonderful uh, for the Christians, which would include you know people like myself and Mance. We had Third Day offerings you know mac powell uh very very great voice uh very prominent in uh in christian music very very distinct voice if if you know you know mance hit me up bro yeah this was no third day has been around since the 90s you know like one, one of my favorite bands i think my favorite band is actually from a christian circle and that's five iron frenzy you know a ska band which they're they don't label themselves as Christian rock. They're just Christians who happen to be in a band and, you know, over time, two of them became atheists and they're like, "Hey, you know, I think they're atheists or one of them's agnostic. Don't don't quote me." But they're like, "Hey, you know what? We love each other and we love music, so we're just going to keep going." I mean, they broke up for about 9 years and I went to their reunion show in in Denver. Yeah, I drove me and my buddy drove all the way from Toronto to Denver. That was awesome. Been to Denver twice. Love it. Uh, Zach, if you're there right now, go to Rocky Mountain National Park and go to Estes Park. Nice, quaint little small town. Kind Coffee is the name of the place. So we had E6 Horoscope, which featured Promise, which attempted to be replicating the success of one of their uh, biggest songs ever. And something that could be considered a one-hit wonder. Uh, Inside Out, you know, that started off with I uh, would swallow my pride. It's 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 called swallow my pride or Inside Out, one or the other, but it didn't come close. Uh, Finger Eleven, Grace of Blue Skies, which featured Drag You Down and First Time. Uh, Finger Eleven, great band. Of course, they did uh, Kane's Entrance theme back in the day, the slow chemical version, the superior version of Kane's theme. Despite the fact, I love the unreleased typo negative version. <sighs> In TV, we had two of the worst shows of all time premiering, that being Big Brother and crossing over with John Edwards. Now, this is going to be a bit controversial. I'm not going to get into schematics. I'm not going to get preachy here, but this was a show that had someone who... uh, Thought they were a psychic or a clairvoyant. Now I'm. I'll just say this. I don't. I'm not a fan of clairvoyance. I don't really approve of it. It's kind of. It's kind of sketchy. I'm not. I'm not gonna say it's evil because that's just you know. I'm not that kind of guy. I won't. I won't call it that. It's like. It's a little sketchy to me. And that's all I'm gonna say. It's just this guy who like he thought he could go into the next world and say like oh your dead father says this or yeah it it's no i i didn't like this at all it just even back then when i wasn't you know i wasn't a believer back then even then i thought it was kind of sketchy and kind of you know money not money grabbing what's the word i'm looking for it it it, it kind of it it looked to me like it preyed upon people for money uh vulnerable kind of thing yeah no thanks Mm -mm. not a lot of video games here but you know we had diablo 2 for the pc a amazing follow-up to the even more amazing prequel to the game which i played the absolute bejesus out of on on my old old windows 98 pc i think i installed like a voodoo 3 driver just so i could play games like this but my goodness yeah voodoo 3 driver you old folks might not remember that but dude i had a dos 386 computer which woke up the whole town when i turned on yeah <laughs> good times with that we had uh, mario tennis which introduced the whole world to waluigi of course this game was released in japan in the summer, I believe it came out in North America, I think a little later in the year, maybe around the same time Majora's Mask came out, which I can't wait to talk about. We had Mario Artist, a Japan-only game for a Japan-only console, which was the N64DD, the disk drive, that expansion pack. If you if you have an N64 right now, uh, go break it out. Go dust dust it off. Look on the bottom of your console. There's something that looks like you can hook something to. Like, take 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 that piece off, you know what I mean. Look under there. Huh. What's supposed to go in that? Well, it was supposed to be the N64 disk drive, but it never came to North America. Only a handful of games were released for it. There was supposed to be, like, a Zelda um, Ocarina of Time expansion that came out for it, but that was never to be... Uh, there was supposed to be like an earthbound game, an earthbound game that never happened. Oh, Oh, my heart. Oh, angry. Uh, but there, there's a cool tidbit I have here is that, uh, current raw raw women's champion Asuka has every N64 DD game ever made. Uh, as if there was any other reason to, uh, love her. What a giant nerd. My, my goodness. Uh, that, that that's why Oscar is one of the best. I've I've kind of turned around uh came around on the whole her screaming in Japanese thing. I'm like, "Okay, that's cool. That's cool." And the fact that you're a giant nerd that is <laughs> you're even more attractive now. <laughs> and Final Fantasy 9 also came out. Uh I I never touched this. Uh quite frankly, I haven't played uh, a Final Fantasy game since 8. Uh I did get the uh, Final Fantasy 7 when it released on the Switch. I haven't played the um, the remake yet. I just started playing The Last of Us 1. I know. I know. Uh, PS Plus games for free. So, yeah. I just... You know, I finished Red Dead Redemption not that long ago. The second one. Uh, so that's getting getting on my backlog. But, but Animal Crossing and uh, some other games uh, are taking up a lot of my time. The Pokemon Sword DLC for one as well. I just beat... Uh, the Isle of Armor. So now I'm trying to fill my Pokedex before going to the uh, the Tundra one that's coming out later in the year. Now, my goodness, that was loaded. So, I'm going to take this quick non-commercial commercial break, and when we come back, I get to talk about Bash at the Beach 2000. Oh, crap no. Ugh. Okay, stay tuned, peeps. Mamacita. Latino, Hola, Hola ley welcome back to the Twenty Bell Salute, pop culture and wrestling for July 2000. Please follow me at The Legendary JF. Follow Wrestle Addict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle. My co host and good brother Nate the F and Great at Real F and Game. Also on our network, we have The Delight Show with good brother Mance at MNDelight. Delight and Zach. Good old Zach from the Young Lions perspective, which I almost forgot off the spot because I'm an idiot. Yeah, and he is at Suede Senator War. Uh, Zach, I believe, is taking a little vacay right now. Good brother, I hope that you are doing well and that you are having a good time and you're staying safe and healthy. As as for me, well, it is time to talk about the wrestling portion of the show. And let me take a nice big gulp of watermelon sparkling water because this... Oh, my gosh. We have four, actually, memorable events in my life. I'm going to start off with, oh, boy, our pals down in WCW. This, of course, is Bash at the Beach 2000, which took place on July 9th from the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. The tagline is, It Ain't No Picnic. Okay. This had an attendance of 6,572. Yikes. Oh my goodness. Um... So we had here. There was a there was a match here. With, I'm going to say there was a match here with Scott Steiner, uh, was disqualified for using the Steiner recliner, which was banned. Excuse me. And Commissioner Ernest the Cat Miller stripped Steiner of the U.S. title. The Empire won the graveyard match when the Demon didn't show up to the ring. And then there was the whole Hollywood Hogan and Jeff Jarrett, Vince Russo. Oh my gosh, that that whole thing. Let me just get through this event, like peeling off a Band-Aid on the hairy leg. Lieutenant Loco retained the cruiserweight title over Juventud Guerrera, who it was uh, doing the juice gimmick like he was trying to be The Rock. Uh, The Rock, you are not, S.A., nuh-uh. Big Vito retained the Hardcore Championship against Norman Smiley and Ralphus. Oh, Ralphus! Oh, buddy, why are you at it again? Daphne defeated Miss Miss Hancock Stacy Keebler in a wedding gown match. Yeah, there was supposed to be a I think it was a wedding between Miss Hancock and David Flair. Uh, David Flair, I. Th- think had a brief romance with Daphne and then went to Stacy yeah this no Uh, no 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 yeah this had you know wedding cake shenanigans and crowbar getting pantsed and David Flair getting pantsed and puppies uh speaking of chronic Defeated the perfect event to win the tag titles. Chronic, you know, crushing Atom Bomb. Going up against Planet Stasiak and biker Chuck Palumbo. You will remember me. No, I won't. No. Yeah, of course, you know, Sean Stasiak was uh, replicating Mr. Perfect. And I guess Chuck Palumbo was going to be in like the... The new total package, the complete package. Okay. Uh, Chris Canyon. Chris Champagne Canyon defeated Booker T. Mike Awesome defeated Scott Steiner by disqualification in a singles match for the U.S. title. I needed more water than I thought. Uh, Vampiro defeated the demon in a graveyard match or something. Shane Douglas defeated Buff Bagwell. Hollywood Hogan. Defeated Jeff Jarrett for the WCW title when Jarrett laid down f- in the middle of the ring. Okay, uh, this of course gave us that work shoot promo where Hogan's like, "Yeah, this is why the com- this company's in the damn shape it's in because of bullshit like this." Uh, and then Vince, I'm sorry, then Hogan walked out, and then he he would never see him again. He was done with WCW. Hulkamania has gone. Goldberg defeated Kevin Nash and then Booker T defeated Jeff Jarrett to win his first out of his five time, five time WCW champions ships. Hogan filed a lawsuit against Russo after this, uh, defamation. uh, this was dismissed in 2003 and, uh, the firing was meant to be in kayfabe here. Like, you know, Ventura's was like, you're never going to see that bald son of a bitch here. Yeah, that's true. He left WCW. This They worked themselves into a shoot here. Yeah, this match sucked. Pay-per-view sucked. I mean, I've only seen bips and bobs of it thanks to reviews from people like the Attitude Era podcast and OSW Review. I can't even. Mance, how did you do it? What's your secret? Please tell me what your secret is. If you don't want people to know, you can just DN me, bro. Uh, next up here, we had Heat Wave 2000. Uh, this was brought to us by ECW. Uh, this came to us on July 16th, just a week after this, from the Grand Olympic Auditorium in LA with a attendance of 5,700 people. This, of course, uh, was playing out through hardcore TV, and ECW on TNN was still a thing, although barely – I you to take a sip of water there stay hydrated folks so we had you know a pay-per-view that i actually enjoyed i had this on on cassette you know uh my old cottage in in haliburton ontario there used to be this little i think it was a pawn shop but this guy had a box of uh of wrestling tapes and some of these were like okay, this guy taped two events from pay-per-view and slapped them on, but he did it in such an egregious way. So my tape of this, it had like ECW Heatwave 2000 and In Your House Buried Alive 96. So this was a weird compilation. I mean, I remember I remember a website called obsessedwithwrestling.com and there was a guy on there that I used to interact with uh, named Brad and for a price, he would make tapes for you. Uh, you get a list of wrestling events. You'd be like, I want this and this on this tape and that and that on this tape. So I got things like the ECWA Super 8 tournament, which is just, you know, it, it's a tournament for, like, I think it was Fight for, like, for Cruiserweights. Because I remember the year the year that I have, the one that I have, Paul London wins it. I believe he beats, like, kazarian or the amazing red in the final yeah that's a while ago uh but i would get things like i put SummerSlam 2000 and like SummerSlam 96 on this one tape or like here here's these episodes of tna impact i want boom uh that's back before when dvds were well into it being a thing and when cassettes were phasing out i was doing tape trading or more like getting tapes made Tape making this was on it and i'll watch the crap out of this because i loved ECW uh, back in the day it, it definitely is a product of its time but this is an interesting pay-per-view here so we have sally graziano from the full-blooded italians accompanied by Tony tony mamaluke defeating balls mahoney excuse me uh Next match here, we had Kid Cash, Danny Doring, and Roadkill defeating Simon Diamond, C.W. Anderson, and Johnny Swinger. Isn't Diamond and or Swinger been on, like, Impact lately? <laughs> That's just awesome. Uh, Jerry Lynn, the whole effing show, defeated Steve Carino, accompanied by Jack Victory, in a fantastic match. Chris Chetty and Nova defeated DeBaldis, Tony DeVito and Angel, And in classic ECW three-way, four-way dance, I'm sorry, fashion. Because they were famous for having these amazing three-way dances with people like, you know, Tajiri, Little Guido, uh, and like Super Crazy and all these people. But this one, we had Tajiri defeating Mikey Whipwreck, Little Guido, and newly signed and returned psychosis Sand's mask rhino retained the television championship against the sandman uh, i believe there was uh bits and bobs with i don't know the whole things with steve carino i think had been spending the day with missy hyatt uh yeah old school m- manager from like nwa days uh kind of famous for i'm not gonna say it Um, Next up here, Rob Van Dam defeating Scotty Anton, a.k.a. Scotty Riggs, one half of Scott Cavaliero's favorite tag team, the American Males. Shout out to you, Cavaliero. I hope you're doing well, dude. Uh, I haven't heard much from you since uh, the new-gen podcast days. I hope you're doing well out there, Stuart, wherever you are. Uh, Man good good old times with with the uh, podcast i used to listen to that used to be a thing yeah if you want to listen to a funny and very in-depth podcast about an era in wrestling go, go seek out the new generation project podcast which had uh Stuart Brooks uh Adam Wikes and oh uh, Paul Scrivens uh the they they all of them are from uh England way and They're, they're not only funny, but Stewart, I mean, notably Stewart is, you you think I'm a wrestling encyclopedia and historian, dude, that guy puts me to shame. He does his research, whereas most of mine, I'm just rolling it off the top of my head and Wikipedia, but yeah, seek that out. Listen to their, their, their reviews, especially early on in like 95, uh, and also especially like their last few shows where they talked about really in depth that, you know, Survivor Series 97 and the screw job and, you know, the genesis of the Attitude Era in 98. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, a good listen is the Royal Rumble 95. Funny. It's it's just funny. Uh, and in the main event, we had Just Incredible Francine defeating... And defeating Tommy Dreamer with Jazz and someone named jo- Oh Gorgeous George, Stephanie Ballers, uh, in a Stairway to Hell match, retaining the ECW title. This was just your violent main event. Uh, I believe there was like a tombstone off off of Brett's robe, which, why? Uh, my goodness. Yeah, I enjoyed this for the time. I mean, a lot of people g- gave this like uh, a thumbs in the middle. But the four-way dance with with Tajiri we had here. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck was eliminated by uh, Little Guido with a. Uh, oh, hang on. Yeah, psych- after Psychosis hit the Psycho Guillotine, Little Guido would cover Mikey. Psychosis would be eliminated by Tajiri with a German Suplex, and then Guido ate a Brainbuster on a chair, and and Tajiri wins. Tajiri was wildly popular during this run. I mean. That's why he had all those pops in 2001 when he came in during during the Alliance. Man, good, good times. Stay hydrated, folks, again. And here I have another event. But this one, this is the first and only so far indie show that I've ever been to. Now, this came to, to my hometown of Cannington, Ontario, Canada, in the Cannington Arena, now named the Rick McLeish Memorial Arena. Uh, Philly folks, you'll know who that is, so that I'm looking at you guys like Scott and Ant. Um, I've actually told you about this numerous times anyways. But yeah, my hometown uh, for for Canada Day in 2000, so this was... Just over 20 years ago to the day, I'm recording this on July 2nd, and uh, this this featured a few people who had runs in the in in wrestling. A couple of which were in the WWE. Now, this event had a special guest host, that being Jason Sensation. Now, if you know that name, uh, Jason was uh, briefly aligned with the WWE in 98 and 99. He came out during an infamous sketch where DX dressed as members of the National Domination. Yeah, there was some blackface. There was some racist shit in there. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to bring bring light to that cuz that uh, some of that is just okay. Let's no. Jason is known for his spot-on impression of Owen Hart. You know, he came out, he's just this skinny kid with, like, a blonde wig uh, with a singlet. And, you know, ca- he put caution tape on and wore, like, a big... It looks like he was making more fun of Triple H with the big schnoz that he was wearing. He's like, and I am not a nugget. I'm a heart damn it. A winner. A sole survivor. Woo! Uh, and he would go on commentary on Raw and do, uh, he would do a uh, good, he'd be doing impressions for J.R. and the King. And Shawn Michaels was on commentary. It's like, it's like oh, do me, do me, do me. <clears throat> the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. And he's like this in the air, like, yeah. yeah. He was known for really popping the guys with these impressions. I think he was just like a fan, maybe like a clerk somewhere in like, I want to say Toronto or Ottawa. And maybe he was one of the the fans that (laughs) used to ride with Owen Hart. Because Owen was, he was known for doing that, for riding with the fans and pinching a few pennies here and there. Because Owen Hart was just so frigging awesome. And that is one thing that Jason and I bonded over. I mean, I... I went to the arena that, like, I went to our festivities that day. Like, a small town of like two thousand people. The most we're gonna get on Canada Day is like a face painting station, a dunk tank. Uh, there'd be a slow, like, a softball tournament going on at our ball diamonds. Uh, there'd be people having games at the park. I think one year for Canada Day, I actually took part in a play. Uh, I had, a, I had a drama club that took place at uh, like one of our churches. And we did the the three Billy Goats Gruff. I, of course, was the big Billy, and I was uh, I was booked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was I was the Terminator, and and, and we were uh, we filmed we did this play on a literal bridge <laughs> that was just over over our river over the Beaver River, and and the uh, the girl that played the troll Valerie uh, would just come out from underneath the bridge by the river and, you know, play their part. My buddy, double J who I've, I've talked about before. I think it was actually earlier in this show or a different show. Yeah, but my buddy, double J, uh, he would be like a, a hip hop, like, uh, who, who was Chris Cross. If you remember those rappers, you know, the, the kids that wore their pants backwards, he, he was being like that. And then the, the middle one was kind of like a timid shy girl who was, ironically played by the timid shy girl in my in my class anyways i'm going all over the place here but i spent a good couple hours with jason because you know i i I followed him on wwe i watched him i liked him a lot and i know although in recent years if if you if you follow wrestling you'll you'll know what i'm talking about here but there was a recent um ish Either pay per view or raw taping in Toronto, where you know Jason sent out some kind of concerning message about what was going to happen w- when he'd get there. And I mean, I, I've I haven't kept in contact with him, but I've like I've followed along, like say his social media, like his YouTube or his Twitter. He's had a rough he's he had a rough go. Over over the past number of years, and I don't I don't know if it's mental. it's probably like you know on the mental illness. I don't know if it's tied in with other things like alcoholism, but it's a, it's a damn shame. Jason, he was such a sweetheart when I met him. He was such a nice guy, and we were spending most of the time talking about Owen Hart. And I'm just like, oh dude, I got it. I got the Owen Hart tribute mag at home. I'll I'll run home and get it. And I don't know why, but he signed it. I might have asked him to. I can't remember. But I'll never forget the words that he said that he wrote in there. He's like, Owen Hart was a true angel. He was, he was nothing but kind to me. I'll never forget him. I am the real nugget now. And we were also talking about this young up-and-comer who we predicted would be the WWE champion by the end of the year. That being Kurt Angle. Now, Jason was a big fan of Kurt. I think he worked with Kurt a little bit in um, in developmental. Because Jason spent some time in, um, I think, one of the former developmental territories before OVW. I think it was Memphis. I think, like, Jason, he had, like, a run with guys like Brian Danielson and Brian Kendrick. So he was in good company he might've been in a stable with them. I can't remember, but yeah, we kept telling stories about, about Owen Hart, uh, just talking about how funny he was. And I'm back then. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I booed him, but like when he died, I felt guilty. And we were talking about that whole thing. He's like, Oh dude, no, no. Um, but yeah, J- Jason was so cool. And, uh, it was a funny thing. Uh, Gilberg. Uh, dwayne gill was uh was a referee for some of this event and me and my friends were just like gilberg just just chanting him and we were on these steel chairs and then there was the ring was set up you know basically where the ice w- the ice would be set up and there was a table between me and him and he got him he like got me he got a like great right in my face and right in my friend's face and i'm like you're in my house, bud. I will put you through this table. And speaking of which, uh, when they were setting up the ring, uh, Jason, when Jason and I were hanging out, uh, he rolled into the ring and he said, "Shooting star, press me through this table." Uh, dude, I have a newly fused spine. If I even got in that ring, I'd explode. <laughs> so that that was a fun time. Uh, so I will always remember it because you know Jason was so cool, despite his you know, misdeeds in the past while. He had a career with this. So yeah, Apocalypse Wrestling Federation, Great Canadian Clash. I didn't even get into the name of this show. So you're going to hear maybe two familiar names here. So before I, after I hydrate myself here, we had a tag team called the All Mighters, which participated in um, singles matches. We had Joey Knight defeating Slade. I mean, no. Ending in a time limit draw. 15 minutes. Joey, and Sl- Joey Knight and Slade. Uh, Slade is someone from uh, a Canadian freelance wrestler from Ontario. And the other half of the All-Nighters, Robin Nightwing, defeated Vladimir Urkov. You know, I believe the All-Nighters might have had a couple of squash matches on WWE or WCW. They might have had a developmental but, of course, uh, this this wrestling promotion was uh, ran by Ron Hutchinson. And if that's a familiar name to you, well, they he helped uh, train Edge and Christian. So we had uh, Sin, a.k.a. Uh, Sin Bodhi, a.k.a. Kizarni, defeating Flesh Gordon and Jaguar VJ Singh in a three-way match. Uh, Sin was uh, kind of an interesting guy. Uh, I didn't, he he was looking a lot more like, um, like Christian was with, you know, like the mesh tank top and all that, that might've been Slade, Slade and sin, uh, and sin looked a lot alike, but, uh, man, when Kizarni, when, when sin, when he signed with WWE, I was so excited because I'm like, Holy crap. I watched this guy in my arena, the same arena I played hockey in when I was six only lasted a year. Uh, the same arena. I watched my brother play hockey until, like, from when I was zero until he was eighteen. Still plays a bit today. Uh, where I watched my friends play hockey. Where I went to like church hockey league. Uh, yeah, that's if if, if you want a, an oxymoron, watch Christians play hockey. <laughs> Yikes! Um, and I say that as one. We had a singles match defeating two. F- uh, Female wrestlers, uh Fiera Fox defeating Felicity. And well a lot a lot of us around the ring were you know we 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 were catcalling. Uh I'm ashamed of it today. We were sixteen. There were girls in the ring, you know. Uh and Felicity was accompanied by uh, Kenny Casanova. We had a tag team match pitting David Diamond. And the mysterious mayhem defeating El Fuego and Tony Mack, the club stud, the AWF champion himself. Now, El Fuego is someone I believe is a old friend of uh, of Edge and Christian's. He um, uh, is from Uruguay, and yeah, he he started wrestling in 1991. Uh, rob fuego fuego kid desperado alva de silva some of his other uh, other monikers he was actually trained by hutchinson and sweet daddy siki my grandma's favorite wrestler uh my grandma has, she's been passed away for about 13 years now but when i got into wrestling uh, she always told me about sweet daddy siki and and it was like uh, it was awesome like oh do you know Sweet Daddy Siki? It's like, no, Grandma, I don't. Uh, I'm sorry, but then, over the years, getting to watch some of that through and learning who he is through Edge and Christian, and I was going through like some of my my when she passed away, I was going through uh, some of their stuff at the house, and I'm like, I look at this action figure, and I realized that this little wrestler toy that. I spent years playing with at 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 her house was sweet daddy siki like okay that's cool but el fuego uh, he had some some matches on tna's weekly pay-per-views sin actually did as well sin was a brief member of the i think it was disciples of the new church with uh, uh the sinister minister james mitchell i believe it had people like um Oh, what's his name? He played the Underfaker, Chains, Brian Lee. They, they, they were in this uh, stable together, which I thought was fascinating. And in the main event, we had a 12-man Gauntlet Battle Royal. Uh, some other participants are question-marked here, so I'm just going to say the, some of the other people that were in this. So we had Flesh Gordon defeating... Question-mark, question-mark, El Fuego, Robin Nightwing... Joey Knight, Sin, The Mysterious Mayhem. I be- Vijay Singh was in this match. I remember him. Urkov was probably in this. Uh, a wrestler named Miss B. Haven, which I learned was my friend's dad in drag. Yeah. And uh, he came out to the ring, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like friggin' Rick Rude's theme. And we're like, is that Mr. Hilton? What the hell? So maybe he had an in. Our fire department was selling these tickets. And I think Hilton was on the fire department or something. So that's probably how he got an in to do this. And it popped us. We laughed. But yeah, Flesh Gordon was uh, this big. I'm sorry for all these vehicles again. He was this big like beef. Uh, He looked like Scott Steiner, but more tanned but with like bright yellow hair. Uh, he actually got a picture with him and I think it was uh, Felicity uh, when they were coming. I'm like, hey you one of the wrestlers? Hey, can I take a picture of you guys? Okay. And one thing I, I one thing I noticed when I took a picture with him is that uh, Felicity had a Band-Aid on her side boob. Like, okay, yeah, there's uh, some augmentation going on there. But Flesh Gordon... This guy, he did a couple of times throughout this night, he did this Ken Patera swinging full Nelson. He picked up a guy in the master lock and just flung him around the ring with, like, an airplane spin. Like, I bet Cesaro could do that, could do the airplane spin with the full Nelson because Cesaro is so strong. Yeah, so this popped us. That was the main event. And then right after that, we... Went outside, right outside the arenas where they were showing the fireworks, you know, because outside of our arena, there was a curling rink like attached to the back of the arena and just on on the other side of it going, I don't know, um, west, maybe uh, there was a couple of ball diamonds and a small like pioneer village, like historical museum section and an old caboose. An old big red train caboose, because well, just uh, just south of my house were old railroads, which were just nowadays I think they're just walking trails. Or you know, we used to take uh, four wheelers and uh, skidoo's, snowmobiles back there, and just I, I used to walk through them. I, I didn't have any of those <laughs> those toys. Yeah, so that's just that's just a brief story of this. One indie event that I went to. I haven't been to any indie event since the last live wrestling I saw was in uh 2003 in Oshawa. Uh, and you know, providing them still doing this into in, two, in uh, 2023, God willing, I hope I'll be talking about that then on that 20 bell salute. So now, right away, I am gonna get into. Quite possibly the best pay-per-view of the entire Attitude Era that is not called WrestleMania X7. And that is fully loaded 2000 that took place in in Dallas, Texas, the home of the Dallas Stars. And as I said, this is one of the best pay-per-views ever. This is under the radar. This is underrated. If you have the network, seek this out. You know, we have, you know, misadventures of Mick Foley and Edge and Christian about, you know, oh, Christian is sick. He can't uh, take part in our tag title match tonight. Excuse me. So starting off, we had Lita and the Hardy Boys going up against TNA and Trish and the crowd is hot. And, you know, we get all these teases for the eventual Trish and Lita confrontation. Team Bestie feud goes all the way back here. And of course, we're getting you know we want puppies chance. Uh, Jeff and Test are tearing it up. They're taking lumps out of each other. And Jerry Lawler with actually a, a good line. You know Jeff's hair looks like a bowl of lucky charms. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay, I'll give you that one, Jerry. That was funny. Uh, Trish slaps Test accidentally. Uh, Matt rolls up Trish. Um, yeah. What? Uh, Here comes Lita. Tagged in. Nope. And Albert's tagged in to uh, seemingly confront Lita. Uh, intergen- was this an intergender or a mixed max challenge match? So we saw Poetry in motion, a suplex. Uh, then we saw the Hardys were going to set up TNA in a double suplex. Then Trish tries to interfere. Nope. Lita-, Lita gets her, locks her up, and we see a triple suplex. And the shirts come off. And then Jerry... Uh, I can hear Jerry being like, Oh, come on, Lita! Oh, come on. No, no, Jerry, don't. But Lita takes off her top, you know, of course, and then she's wearing a sports bra, then Uh, Jerry has... uh, He has a time. I was going to say something else, but no. And all of them press... And they press Jeff over the top rope. There's a pump handle slam by test on the mat. And there is just... This immaculate timing where Jeff hits the swanton on on test just before the three count. Uh, There's a twist of fate. uh, Lita DDT's test dives onto Albert, but then you know she eats a doctor bomb. You know like a pump handle power bomb. Trish covers. Uh, nope. And then you know finally Lita hits the moon salt. They win. There's a post match beatdown. And my goodness, and you, know, and you see Mick uh, is talking to an official backstage, and you just hear like, yeah, yeah I, I was afraid when they brought up the bed of nails, and uh, C- Christian totally has food poisoning, and Foley's like, Commissioner Foley's like, nah, I think you don't you don't have food poisoning, you have a case of Freddy Catitis. And we see uh, Taker comes in comes into the, into the arena in a chopper. Uh, I'm noticing in the background that he just casually past uh the apas setup, you know their their door and their and their poker table which it's in the middle of the backstage area but they treated it as total kayfabe like they would go instead of going around to the back to like talk to them no they gotta like go right to the door <laughs> like, yeah come in yeah what do you need oh i need protection from the hardy boys okay yeah what do you what do you got money and flat yeah you know <laughs> flash whatever uh and then taker is just he's he's driving indoors he is just breaking all sorts of <laughs> rules next up here we have taz versus al snow uh, taz has this new uh heel turn attitude this is just the total squash uh He'd taken time off to nurse some injuries. He came back and just... He started hitting people with cameras. He started locking people in the the Taz mission. And I'm like, oh, hey, look. I haven't seen Al in a singles match on pay-per-view since... Oh, since the Kennel from Hell. Yeah, he was at WrestleMania 2000 in a tag match. He was at the Royal Rumble in the Rumble match. Maybe he was at No Mercy. I can't remember, but yikes. And El Snow's a uh, snowman tights, and after all these years, I never noticed the uh, the bad Mister Frosty on his tights. If you know who that is, uh, Clay Fighter. If you know Clay Fighter, uh, seriously hit me up. Uh, Taz does the Alabama Slam, and then you know El Snow gets a little early advantage here. He goes for the Ohio Jam, like the top rope leg drop, and a moonsault breaking out both of Leaf Cassidy and Schnobi and Avatar's finishers. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, Al wanted head. He wanted to consult the voices in his head that counsel him, that talk to him, that understand. But no. Chop block. Taz mission. Done. And then uh, Christian is uh, totally blowing chunks. Uh, flowers are delivered backstage to Stephanie McMahon. And it's just like. Who sent you these flowers? You mean it wasn't you, Hunter? No. Who's who's sending you these flowers? Uh, good luck tonight. It's true. It's true. They're from Kurt, or are they? Next up here, Eddie Guerrero defending the European Championship against Perry Saturn. Oh, Mamacita, get in, El Fuego. Who boy. So there was a little bit of trouble in paradise with uh, Eddie and China. Just a little bit. Uh, And I think also maybe a little bit of... um, Nope. Terry had been aligning herself with Perry Saturn at this point in time. So um, Eddie eats an elbow for China, taking a bullet for her. And Perry Saturn comes up. Those eyes, I mean, they uh, they were to and fro... That or he was just that good at that kind of Dexter Loomis kind of crazed look in his eyes. We see Terry hiding behind Perry on the way to the ring, you know, the that horny little she devil. <laughs> Uh, China hits Perry Saturn. Uh, where's the DQ? Oh wait, the match starts after that. Uh, nice DDT by Eddie. A whole whack of counters. A power slam. Uh, top rope knockdown. Uh, China is just pushed by the announce table. Uh, no, she's clotheslined in front of this announce table, and it just it just collapses. Uh, Terry with another human shield spot. Uh, Low blow. And then uh, Eddie gets rammed into the ring post. And in the ring, Perry hits a top rope elbow drop to the back of Eddie Guerrero. And we have a new European champion. Uh, And then backstage, we see Christian... Is like they're packing up their things to get ready to go because hey, Christian has food poisoning. Food poisoning rules. <laughs> Bill and Ted, these two dorks. And Mick comes in, and it's just like, and then all of a sudden Christian goes to, goes to the bathroom to throw up, goes into the stall. Oh no, Mick, don't come in here. I'm totally blowing shugs. And then it's like he's pouring soup in the toilet, and Foley's just peeking over the the stall you are like so totally busted oh and good luck tonight in your title match against the apa <laughs> oh man just these three anytime these three did a backstage bit was so good it's like your presence makes him sick dude <laughs> so we see apa versus edging christian for the tag belts uh and then Edge and Christian start cutting promos against uh, Dallas sports teams. Like The Dallas sports team sucks. And the Stars prove that they are not repeat champions. Of course, uh, they had made it to the Stanley Cup final for the second year in a row. However, they were defeated by the New Jersey Devils. And then all of a sudden, it's like, what's up with this JFK assassination? Was it an inside job? Really, dude? Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to get into the conspiracy theory bit of that. Um, if you want a good podcast for that, listen to uh, Jesse Ventura on Talk is Jericho. You might not agree with him, but hey, it's at least worth a listen. Um, <laughs> so, for the benefit of those with Flash for Talk... No, 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 don't. mm Uh-uh. no. But then they were interrupted by Bradshaw coming out, cutting his uh, Texas, Texas, Texas promo against um, against Christian. It's like, you know, oh, you Canadians are known for, for high-octane beer. Yeah. yeah. Our beer is better. It's a fact. Um, it's like, you know, every major sports title... Oh, he got halfway through that sentence before he realized... Oh, the Texas, the Texas, um, stars, the Texas Rangers. Gosh, I forgot them. Yeah. The Texas Rangers never won the MLB championship. So you're almost right. Um, yeah, it's like five Super Bowl champs, one Stanley cup, uh, every major sports. I'm like, dude, not the, not, not the, not the, the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Remember, remember Batflip? Yeah. Rough note, Odor remembers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's go Blue Jays. Yeah, oh, and, and for the record, uh, Lone Star Beer is piss. So anyways, he brings up like, you know, this is the arena where Dick Murdoch, the Bruiser, the Von Erics the Freebirds, uh, and goes on and on and on. It, it's like his WrestleMania X7 Texas, Texas promo. We get it. You're from Texas. You're a proud Texan. Okay. I respect Texas, except except the Rangers. Screw Refnet door. Uh, so we see this match is just a big schmoz, uh, whole bunch of near spots. Uh, Farouk has the match seemingly won with the dominator, but edge comes in with a belt shot right in front of the referee. And then we see a big boss man at WWF, New York, IDing people, making sure they're 21. You poor Americans in your, in your alcohol age. Yeah, it's 19 in Ontario, but Hey, if you drive to Quebec on your 18th birthday, you're good. <laughs> so we see more flowers backstage, and he's going after Kurt Angle. And there's a chopper chase, and, uh, you know, Triple H is being jealous. And, you know, Kurt Angle jumps Kurt, Ang- uh, Kurt the Undertaker, with, uh, um, with, a re- with a comically large wrench. there damn it's your ass, boy! Uh, oh, there gonna- American Badass Undertaker. (laughs) So unintentionally cringe. Up next, one of my favorite matches of all time. And I'm, I'm dead serious. This is a match that when I was reviewing it, I immediately texted Nate and said, bro, watch this match. Like seriously, watch it right now. I know you might be doing some prep for the podcast that we're recording later today. (laughs) Dude, watch this, okay? It is Rikishi versus Intercontinental Champion Val Venus in a steel cage match. Now, just previous to this, uh, Taz with a large video camera knocks out Rikishi, helping Val win his second Intercontinental title. And Val got himself a little haircut and a manager who came out to his matches at King of the ring. That being Trish. Now, right away, he tries to escape. Nope. Rikishi tries to climb. Nope. We see a stink face denied with a low blow, a bulldog from Brett's rope by Val Venus, uh, Val hitting an awesome clothesline and Keish doing his amazing 360 clothesline bump. Val with a great top rope elbow. And we're at the top of the cage. Here we go. Oh, except not yet. Val Venus is thrown off. Uh, but then, you know, Keish is kind of crotched. Val is bloodied. There is a Samoan drop. The butt corner bump. The Bunseye. But Val gets his foot on the rope. Or Trish does. Trish knocks the door into Rikishi while he tries to escape through the door. Val hits the money shot. Kick out. Lita comes out to the ring to even the odds and whips Trish. Rips off her shirt. Val tries to escape. He is knocked down and takes the ref back down with him. And then Rikishi looks to the top. Oh no. Kishi. With the super fly splash off the top of the cage. R.I.P. Val. Pancaked. Done. The You heard the crowd. Once they saw Ke- uh, Val go down and Kish was looking towards the, the cage we're like there is no no way there was no way that he was gonna do that. And then Buzz Killington, dressed up as Taz, came out, uh, shutting the door in uh, Keish's face. Smile. No, with no, with the camera. Smile. You're on candid camera. And Val covers and barely holds on to the IC title. Gosh, what a match! Uh, how they both didn't severely injure themselves in this match is beyond me. Like Keisha's a big lad. Val, Th- well, he's 250. He ain't a, he's not a not spring chicken. He's a big, he's a big boy too, but a little bit of cushion for that landing, but still the amount of trust in that spot alone Not only for Rikishi to have trust in himself to be able to do that, but for Val to be like, okay, I'm going to let you do this, and it's not going to kill me. This would be the first time we're going to see Rikishi in some kind of cage, uh, top of a cage situation here. Uh, We'll get to that later in the year, but my goodness, this match was absolutely amazing. And backstage, we see Triple H looking for Kurt Angle. Like, you know, where is he? Kind of thing. And then he goes into this, he's in there, he's in there. So he goes in this room, we see like a, we just hear this, like all this, you know, commotion. Out comes Jericho. Ooh, he set him up good. That was awesome. Uh, The flowers were from Chris. He's sending flowers to a girl he called a filthy, dirty, brutal, disgusting, bottom-feeding trash bag. Oh, (laughs) makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell her that I like Kurt. I can only hit her with a spitball because you know it means the same thing after all. Now, if you get that niche YouTube reference, I will mail you a case of Coke. <laughs> Next up here, Kurt Angle versus Taker. Uh, Taker immediately rides out as Kurt Angle's theme was playing. The match just starts. It's all Taker. Uh, Kurt tries to lock in a sleeper. Uh, like, you know, a Dolph Ziggler, like, climbing on top of you, monkey kind of sleeper. But no, nope. slam, last ride, complete with an extreme wedgie, taker wins. Next up here, part, this is part two of a triple main event that had been booked and, uh, storylined throughout the whole match, you know, even on the TitanTron said, triple main event. Triple H versus Y2J in a last man standing match. Uh, my time, which I think is still superior to uh, King of Kings, and time to play the game, unpopular as they may be, because Motorhead is legendary. We see this match is all Triple H, Y two, a bunch of Y two J's games. Uh, Jericho is kind of getting his uh, his just desserts. We see Y two J keeps getting back up from a DDT, from a sleeper. Nope, getting up from that ten count pedigree gets up at nine chair shot Jericho hits a low blow and then a bunch of other stuff Uh, Triple H starts gacking pretty hard uh we see a face the the Jericho Bulldog the face buster the precursor to the lion salt on a chair Uh, Triple H gets knocked knocked over the top rope like a slingshot over the rope does this outrageous Ric Flair over the top Shawn Michaels bump Jericho is sent into the steps you know, Triple H drags the steps out and tries to pedigree Jericho on them. Denied. Backdrop. We see a double monitor smash. They're both up at nine. There is the walls of Jericho, but tap outs don't count. Steph gets involved in the ring. She gets locked in the walls, and the crowd goes nuts. Uh, there's a hammer. hammer comes out. He's about to hit Jericho with it. Jericho ducks. Cling! Just makes a big cling noise on the post, and that had to reverberate and vibrate the arms a little bit and hurt like like that. There's a slingshot into the post. Jericho uses the hammer, and then there's a spot here where they are both on the timekeeper's table, and Triple H hits a back suplex off of that through the table. They're both out. They're at they're at like eight and a half nine, and Triple H gets up. 10 and just falls right back down and triple H barely wins. This gave Jericho a great rub. I think it was, you know, that the kind of rub that he's been looking for since he came in, you know, it, it was a year ago at this point that he debuted in the company, not quite to the day, but you know, when he first debuted, you know, I, I read about his frustrations in his book and his books and it's just, he just wasn't getting the right opportunities. I mean, He's arrived. I mean, he'd already been a multi-time intercontinental and European uh, champ at this point. But th- this, in my mind, was hit the genesis of his main event run. He wouldn't get a world title for a, for a year after this. Or, you know, if we don't count that phantom title title win that happened in April with Earl Hebner doing the fast count and the APA getting involved and the title being reversed... Blah, blah, blah. Speaking of title being reversed. Yeah, we're going to get we're going to get a thing here. Uh, The Rock defending the WWE title against Chris Benoit, accompanied by Shane McMahon earlier in the night. uh, Shane McMahon challenged The Rock. I guess this would end up being a setup. Uh, Benoit would, you know, wreck uh, Rock's $500 shirt coming out to the ring in said ripped shirt straight up from the SmackDown Mall in No Mercy. Uh, Shane coming up with Rock's shades. And there's a stipulation here. uh, If the Rock is disqualified, he'll lose the title. So there's a belt shot right away. Shane's distractions. uh, And Triple H's blood is still on the mat. That's kind of gross. Benoit uses the sharpshooter in this match. And then eventually, you know, there's a bit where I think Shane hits the referee. And the Rock presses A and B and No Mercy, ripping off Benoit's finisher, the the crippler crossface. But instead of counting the tap out, Chris was tapping out to his own move. You know, the referee disqualified The Rock and new WWE champion, Chris Benoit! And that look on The Rock's face, you know, when The Rock gets that big, bulgy-eyed, like, what look, or the "Are you kidding me?" kind of thing, not the Jim Halpert smirk to the camera. This is I'm a I'm gonna put a foot in your ass kind of thing. And immediately, McFoley comes out. is like, "No, I didn't see a disqualification. Dallas, Texas didn't see a disqualification. Cheap pop. So restart this match, and then bang, you know, rock bottom, and there we go." Uh, this is one of, I think two times that the rock visually loses the title, but then it doesn't count. It's like that time Owen Hart won the title in 1994, but yeah, this was fully loaded and pun intended, this pay-per-view was loaded. This was a damn good event. I had a great time watching it. I highly recommend if, if, if all y'all, uh, you know, don't like current wrestling right now. You know, I, I don't blame you. There's, There's been a lot of crap in the past couple of weeks. You know, we had the speaking out movement. Uh, like, uh, just just an ab- absolute mess of, a, of of an industry right now. So I don't blame you if you don't want to watch it. If you want to watch some old stuff, if you want to relive a bit of the Attitude Era, this is a good place. This one is a turn your brain off Nonst- this is a non-stop action. I mean, I can't think of... Really, the only match I didn't like here was Al Snow and Taz. But Rikishi and Val Venus is one of the most underrated cage matches ever. Uh, one of the most underrated matches ever. One of my favorites. I I loved it. And, you know, that aforementioned uh, place in Halliburton, my, my cottage town, that had this box of tapes. I only had enough money for one tape, and I chose something else. Because the other tape had fully loaded 2,000. And I couldn't find it until um, legitimate downloading sources uh, allowed me to watch it. So, hey, that is it for this month's 20 Bell Salute. Episode 11. Hey, let me know what you think. Hit me up at the TheLegendaryJF. Uh, if you have me on my other socials, you know how to get a hold of me. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Uh, You will also find this on Fretzelmania on Ambiguous Podcast Productions. You want to leave me a voicemail and you have the Anchor app. Well, it's anchor.fm slash F-R-E-T-Z-L-E-mania. Listen for me on the Game Changer podcast. I'll be recording with good brother Nate the Great actually later today. So, TTFN, ta-ta for now. God bless you. Stay safe. Love yous.